Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is Bee and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Hello, welcome to Inexcess Access All Areas, Episode 6, the podcast that aims to dive deep into the Inexcess legacy, get them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and educate uh, listeners with facts, not fiction. Uh, hello B, how are you? Hello Hayden, I'm fine thank you, how are you today? Good, how's your Inexcess week been? Yeah, full, always, there's always something going on. Yeah. Yeah, I've been talking to Give me, people. Give me a snippet of your Inexcess week. Um, so last week I got speaking to a really interesting lady to do with In Excess with the Elegantly Wasted tour. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get her onto the show so I've been having some nice conversations with her and also I got sent to me the um, footage of the Countdown song that they sang um, Just Keep Walking. Did you see that? Did you see that post? The one they did on Countdown? Yeah. They did it on Countdown. Yeah, oh, look, I've seen that. I didn't see it when you posted up, but uh, there's so many posts going out. I'm mm. sure it's there, and I'll have a little bit of a look. Okay. Um, sure. uh, but I do remember that uh, footage, uh, miming away on Countdown <laughs> as the, the way it was for that show. Yeah, although he does say, Michael does say something at the end, so it's worth watching and then listening to what he has to say at <laughs> yeah. the very, very end. But I've actually, I won't I won't spoil it for everybody. Go on the Facebook page, um, which is In Excess Access yep. All Areas Facebook group, and and you'll see the footage of um, just keep walking and on countdown. Excellent. And um, what a week we had last week. Mm. I think it deserves mentioning just our, our chat with Blair. I think both of us, I was going to say drunk, uh, B, but that wouldn't be fair to say. <laughs> well, you weren't, were you? I was a little bit tipsy. <laughs> well, I, was drinking, I was drinking water. B was just having a nice little beverage. And and Blair had a, a little red wine or two, which was great. It was the, sort of the truth serum for him, wasn't it? I think it? so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was good fun. I mean, we yeah. kept going, didn't we? I think we were up till one o'clock in the morning, weren't we talking? Well... <laughs> You know, for listeners, you know, who maybe thought we, we uh, well, not many people, there might be one or two people uh, thought we might have, the interview went too long, well, well, they'll be excited now, we've got five more hours of footage of it, <laughs> but uh, maybe that can come out in the post B and Hayden life in the Redux edition, like Apocalypse Now, yeah. uh, and we can mine some of that, um, although there is some excellent stuff we would like to put out in the next few mm-hmm. weeks that... We just didn't have time to, you know, literally edit into the to the show. But um, but we're a lovely you know, guy. One of the things we're doing with this. He was a lovely guy. Yeah, hey? one of the things we're doing, yeah, with this podcast, it's a deep dive, um, not a seven-minute clickbait type thing. Mm. So the, the real exercise of putting this together is we can talk for an hour, hour and a half, just you know, on deep dive topics, etc. There that we think have an audience out there. And um, as I said, Blair was just so honest and revealing. Yeah. We didn't want really to sort of cut no. him off in, in what he was saying and let him sort of really finish mm. some of. The, the really interesting insights mm, mm. and that's the difference between us and a radio show isn't it that we can go a little bit deeper and we can go more meaningful and talk about about it we're yeah. not just giving um people just a few little yeah. um, questions and i'm sorry if i didn't get your question answered um by blair um i, I i'm sure it's in there somewhere in the five hours i will s- go through them so i do apologize to I, th- I think they're all in there <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah. there are more, and yeah. more. They, they will be revealed at a <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Um, and again, you know, we really did appreciate Blair giving up mm. his time and 
and really committing to you know what was an interview and yeah you know he's a cover lead singer of a band and things like that but mm. you know he was a gentleman he was professional he was revealing he he really gave us a, a, an insight into what motivated him to be in the band and I think we both agreed they're in sort of safe hands you know in terms of a, a cover outfit representing the legacy well, that's, yeah well that's what he said wasn't he he says it, I feel like I'm holding an mm. infant in my my hands and I've got to protect it and that's that resonates with me because that's how I feel yeah, that we're, we're looking after in excess for the next generation handing it through absolutely um now, I know that last week you were the one doing our outro last mm-hmm. week and we did have a cover artist there that uh, mm-hmm. we put on and he and it wasn't a cover, so I didn't change the no. band <laughs> uh, for one person out there who was a bit confused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we like to think we, we have that segment designed to uh, know that it's someone out there covering in excess yep. uh, of a well-known uh, status. Now, I'll give you the privilege, B, of maybe sharing with the listeners who it was because there was a few people that dumbfounded, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it did. I was expecting a lot more to have got it actually but I think we only got one person that got it it was a live version though yeah. so sometimes that can obscure things a bit yeah. but who was the artist and also it was only recently as well wasn't it was it at the beginning of this year yes. so not a lot yes. of people would have heard it I've actually posted it everyone yeah. so you can go to the, the Facebook page and, and um, go watch and listen but it was Rick Askley now do you like that guy <laughs> I've, I'm sort of like you know he's a bit kitsch and like, but he's a really Babe, big fan. Is you were a Rick Astley girl in the eighties, no, weren't you? No, you know that. You know I was not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. He, uh, hey, no, don't tell him. But I don't think it, he can really a little... sing. <laughs> well. An interesting anecdote about Rick Astley, in 1991, he presented Michael with the British Music Award for Best International Singer, which is pretty cool, uh, via satellite when Michael was in LA, so I guess Rick was very knowing of Michael's career then. And secondly, I do have to admit I like a Rick Astley song, one of them called Cry For Help, where he was getting all serious Rick with his long hair and his crooning vocal. So, um, but the new sensation live version in Australia, great homage to Michael and the band, but wasn't high up on my favourites. But at least, uh, I think in the video they put on T-shirts, don't they, Be And sort of mm. have in excess T-shirts on while they're singing, maybe the backup singers do. Yeah, I thought it was quite right? fun, actually. I quite liked it. Really I know, good. you're a party girl. Yeah, I know. I'm a nerd. You are. And it's, it's becoming more and more evident, isn't it? I'm hardcore, you're, you're, you're the party girl. <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I never know when to go home and next party. Uh, all right, I think it's time for some news. All right. And now it's time for the excess news with Hayden from around the world. All right, so in news again this week, we always start off with the charts. Some great news this week in the Oz charts. We've had a surge, B. We've got in excess of going up 10 places in the greatest hits, 43 to 33. Party again. We've had a little <laughs> bit of a pivot. I blame ourselves, um, along with all the hardworking fans who, who bought the greatest hits in recent in the recent week. Uh, but that's pretty cool, 10 spots 10 in spots. Australia in the charts. So. Mm. Clocking in 300 weeks in the top 50. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Very good, very good. I do know Pink Floyd, they were in the charts in the uh, in the US something like 700 weeks. It was like, I don't know, I don't know 14 years or something with Dark Side of the Moon. So we've got a bit of uh, Catching up uh, to do. <laughs> time to catch up, but yeah. 
might be hard to, to, to run Pink Floyd down. Uh, secondly, also in America, the in excess sample of Need You Tonight in that little dance track that we've mentioned lots of times uh, is gone <gasps> into the top 20s. It's gone from 34 to 29. Ooh. Just as soon as it looked like it was going out, five place jumps Ooh. or five place jump in the charts. Right. So. Uh, you know, they're weird charts over there. Mm. Sometimes they bounce around, but maybe it's a stepping stone to the next level. Yeah, getting out. Uh, thirdly, uh, this last week in Australia, we celebrated Queen's birthday, yep. which is a massive holiday in the UK, isn't it, B for mm. the Queen? Is that right? Mm. Yes, it is. No? No, I don't think it is. No, I think it's just us, isn't no. it? No. <laughs> I was taking the piss there. I, I don't think you guys celebrated there, but in Australia, we celebrate the Queen's birthday. Yeah. Ironically, it wasn't even the Queen's birthday. No. It was eight weeks ago. Like Exactly. But we, 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 it's our version of a bank holiday. We use the Queen's former birthday of eight weeks ago to celebrate it. We but, like um, a good day off. Uh, I, think she's <laughs> <laughs> I think it's normally in April, but we have so many public holidays in Australia in April that they have moved this to June. But um, uh, the legendary producer, Mark Opitz, who famously looked after In Excess's uh, probably three major albums, which was which were uh, Shabu Shabar, Welcome to Wherever You Are, and also Full Moon Dirty Hearts plus was the guy behind Live Baby Live in terms of the Wembley recordings and things Mark just got uh, an order of Australia from the Queen for services to music and he's a guy who's had a a great yeah he's had a great career he has looked after the Divinals ACDC Hoodoo Gurus Noiseworks Mm -hmm. where uh, John Stevens uh, played with uh, Cold Chisel Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah he's someone we'd love to get on the show but he he had his services for music uh, recognised in the last week which is uh, pretty cool congratulations yeah, I think it, the same award Andrew got maybe last year or the year before for uh, his services with In Excess, so that's pretty cool. Um, also, speaking of Andrew, there's a great article, um, I think it's on the uh, publication called The Rock Pit, and we'll post this on the website, but it's an awesome article about 35 years since Listen Like Thieves. And uh, Andrew, being a good brother of Tim, who loves fishing, uses a good little analogy about what Listen Like Thieves was for them and that is in excess and that was it was a bit like they felt like they got nibbles in the international market and then when Kick came out they sort of landed the big fish and um, I think Andrew talked a lot about what you need and the recording process um, the startings of working with Chris Thomas who mm-hmm. uh, really tried to get their live sound from you know I guess a, 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 a live setting into their sort of production in their recordings because he felt like you know they they could probably sound stronger and sturdier and um, and there's some good insights about just the songwriting and uh, for Michael and Andrew just backing themselves going down that funk rock sort of mm-hmm. uh, leanings as well. So um, we're going to post this on our on our site and I think it's worthy of everyone having a read because um, you know Listen Like Thieves was a, a great album and it was just that dawning of them expanding mm-hmm. across the world and got their first top five hit in America and mm-hmm. um, yeah it's a, it's a, it's a good genuine read which we'll share yeah. uh, with the listeners uh, the last thing was there is a band out there called the hood internet now I thought it was just called the hood and then it was on the internet but actually called the hood internet now they've they do a lot of 80s samples and, and weave songs together and there's a good one out there at the moment uh, where they sample what you need and I think the song uh, is called 1985 uh, so we might even post that up as well Ooh. but there's a little sample of what you need in that Something and they weave a whole lot of 80s songs together Yay. so B 
be, being a party girl, yeah. I think this is a great party song for your next party. Yeah, I've got a few coming up, so that'll be played. <laughs> when social distancing is no longer a thing. What social distancing? <laughs> no joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, uh, yeah, that's it from the news this week, guys. Hey, this is Tim Farris, and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now for Topic of the Week. All right, Underneath the Colours, our second album review. B, excited? Yeah, very excited. I've not really listened to this yeah. until now, so it would be good to listen to it together. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, look, I've uh, gone back and done a little bit of a, you know, a, a re-listen like we have to sometimes for the older stuff, and especially... Mm. Not a lot of these songs are on greatest hit compilations and things like that, um, outside sort of the most known song on the album, Stay Young. But uh, just a bit of background sort of knowledge for the listeners. This album was released in 1981, probably just on a year after the first album. And back in those days, it was quite common for bands to be releasing albums every year, which was always exciting for for the listeners and and the fans out there. Um, They, you know, between the first album and the second album, had time to put out a cover of The Love One. Uh, mm. That is the first version of The Love One. Yeah. And they had uh, a top 20 hit with that, which, Love again, that kept them sort of in mm. the consciousness of the record-buying public here yeah. in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just a little bit of backdrop. Um, interestingly, also, Richard Clapton, who's quite a famous Australian singer-songwriter, he had lots of hits, and um, probably especially in the 70s and early 80s, and befriending in excess and then doing that cover of the loved one as a production credit for them Richard was asked to continue uh, and go in and then record underneath the colors which uh, him and the band obviously did and subsequent years since then you know John actually has produced albums for Richard and, and played on his albums and they formed quite a long relationship yeah I've seen somewhere a, a um a music video of Richard's with um, Tim in the background. I think Tim may have done the guitar on that. So we'll have to dig into the archives and find that little bit of footage. Do you remember that at all? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's possible. Is it, is it? I mean, his most famous song was Girls on the Avenue, which you may or may not know here in Australia. Um, but he also had John produce uh, an album for him in 1987. So still quite young in John's life. John would have only been 20. Uh, but he produced an album called Glory Road and oh. the title track Glory Road, which is an awesome song yeah. for Richard. But um, I guess underneath the colours, uh, getting back to that, um, the album cover, your visual B, what did you think about the album cover? It's a bit similar to the uh, debut album with those sort of lino cut type of... Uh, you know, uh, animation type pics. Mm, it was very Duran Duran like, actually. Um, I think it's is it Girls on Film, the purple one. It looks a bit like that as well, but it's good. Yeah. I think it was designed by a British lady or guy, etc. there, and I think it was called, according to Wikipedia, called Folk Dance, um, mm. was the uh, sort of the title of it. It was done sort of through lino cuts and things, but yeah, um, uh, yeah that was sort of the, it was, again, another album without the band on the cover, which yeah. is sort of interesting uh, in mm. those days. Yeah. Uh, that was rectified, I think, uh, on later albums <laughs> where the band appear on a lot of the album covers, to your delight, be Very much so. I mean, their faces, I mean, those beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful boys but they, it's very arty though it's a very arty cover, cover. it's arty yeah. arty 
<laughs> you said that in a very Australian way. <laughs> I try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of releases of this album for singles, they actually released three singles, whereas the debut album only released the one, which was Just Keep Walking. Uh, off this album, the three sort of singles released were Stay Young, which is, I know, a bit of a favourite of yours. Yes. Um, and I like it too. Uh, I think they also released uh, Underneath the Colours mm-hmm. uh, as a song and Night of Rebellion mm. as a song. Uh, which both didn't really have film clips. They were more sort of uh, live sort of versions on Countdown, which was our Top of the Pops type TV show. Uh, Those two songs didn't really chart, whereas I think Stay Young charted at uh, 21 uh, in Australia. So it was a good hit for them on top of, um, you know, consolidating, you know, what they had with Just Keep Walking and The Loved One. So they were getting, you know, within within a sort of a 12, 18-month period, three songs, you know, in the top 40 here and just paving their way I guess you know on top of the live scene that they were heavily into at that time but getting you know this this album uh, out to the to the public uh, around that time um, I think it was released October 19th 1981 as I said so yeah a very narrow time frame between the first and second album like a lot of this stuff was out within a year of each other yeah, I guess so. But I suppose they they were on the road and they probably had lots and lots of songs that they needed to get out. Well, they came together in 77, I guess. But, you know, from a touring and a serious point of view, I think it was around sort of more 78, 79 into 80 where they really made, were thinking this, this could be something. And look, I guess... Uh, by the end of 1991, they got this particular uh, album out to the public and, you know, they had a strong single which yep. was Stay Young. And I think if we're going to go into our tracks, that's the first song. Yes, first song is Stay Young. And you well know that I love that tune. It's, of course, a little little piece in my heart. It sits. (laughs) But um, I love the video. Um, It's probably my favourite song off the album. I just find it's timeless. It means so much. It's lovely. (laughs) It's a it's a. And it was in your top five videos the other week, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very much so. And it's not Mm. like you say. It's not bamboo. Bastic, whatever the word is, it's not a real out there song. It's just a nice floaty, put you in a good place song. What do you think of the song, Hayden? Well, I, look, it's a classic. I think when I look at songs, do they stack up now as they did when I first heard them? And sometimes radio can kill the allure of a song because you just hear it so many times. Um, and then sometimes a song, you can hear it that many times, you still love it. And I think Stay Young mm. is one of those in the latter. Um, it's probably what you call a mid-tempo song, B, if I could use some musical nouse Thank in you. describing <laughs> it. It's not an out-and-out rocker, as you said. Yeah. It's not a, uh, a ballad. It's probably that mid-tempo in between, mm. uh, a bit like a bit of tears is a sort of a mid-tempo song yeah. Um, but it, yeah it's classic 
still resonates and it, it, it rocks and uh, I guess it still makes compilations so mm. I guess it's still a bit of a fan favourite too. Very much so. Okay, so the next song is Horizons. Horizons, the second song off the album. Uh, I like this song. It's the longest track on the album at 5 minutes 13 and has quite a brooding sort of keyboard intro that uh, reminds me a bit of a U2 song called October that was released in October in 1981 at the same time as U2 was. So I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but uh, Mm. U2 had a single off the album October called October. In excess have a song called Horizons off Underneath the Colours released in October. And they both have very keyboard-centric intros. Um, Mm. However, In Excess's song goes into uh, uh, an interesting sort of uh, keyboard swash sort of type sound and or swayed, I should say, and uh, builds to a a good chorus and... Mm. Um, yeah, I like Michael's vocal and lyric, and um, you know, it's it it's not a single. It's probably a good album track, but I think uh, it sort of shows a bit of maturity in the songwriting, and um, yeah, it's a it's a tick for me for this one. Yeah, this is a big tick for me because out of the whole album, apart from Stay Young, this is the one that I keep repeating in my head afterwards. So I'll be you know right. doing my daily yeah. chores or whatever or whatever I am yeah. and. I see the... Yeah, it's it's just there, yeah. isn't it? It's just such a lovely, catchy yeah. song. And it's a beautiful um, lyric. Um, I love how it's all about the sea, you know, the horizons. And it's great. I love it. It's a great chorus. Very yeah, catchy. I think... I think um, actually, in another little angle with you two, they, they had an album called No Line on the Horizon. So another little coincidence. Mm. <laughs> in Excess got in first, uh, 20 years ahead of their album. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, it, I think it, a good song when you talk about um, imagery and, you know, the sky and the water and the mountains mm. and things, this does sort of capture an imagery Catches when you hear it. it, doesn't it? Yeah, very much. Yeah, I like yeah. I like that. It gives it, it gives you instant yeah. images of um, warmth and um, love. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's, uh, you know, it'd be like Coffs Harbour when the mountain meets the sea, isn't it? Very much, very much. It's my, it's my catch, my 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 my, my catchphrase tune, which we say. <laughs> well, we're off to a pretty good start, aren't we? Two up there for me, straight away. Two for two, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to go with Big Go Go.
Well, I mean, that one's a grower on me, I must admit. When I first heard it, I thought, oh, it's just like another filler like you come up with. But really, um, I quite like the trumpets really strong in it, in, in the actual tune. And um, when I think about it, go, like the world go-go and the trumpet and all the little bits that they keep playing, it's actually like the, the, the cars bibbing the horns and it's like there's like a lot of... Um, like city noises they're trying to create with their instruments. That's how I feel about it anyway. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'm going to disagree with you here. I think this song is more filler than killer. I think um, it's sort of polite. It's inoffensive. It's not really memorable. It sort of starts off with that sax solo introduction, so they still haven't hit the real guitars mm. yet. Um, so, yeah, I think I think as an album track, it's okay. But I think front end at the start of the album it's probably in the not the best spot in excess have always been good at front ending their album some of the stronger sort of material mm -hmm. but yeah this one to me is not um high on my memorable yeah. you know no, uh, I agree songs uh, it does coincidentally reference yeah it references big go-go they get they do go on to tour with the go-go's mm -hmm. a year or two later which i think belinda and michael got on very well mm -hmm. uh, when they toured together uh in america a year or two later so a little a little funny um coincidence again there mm. with the big go-go lyric and they end up touring with the go-go's that's right <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Great, so it sounds like we disagreed a little bit on that one. So let's see how we both go with Underneath the Colours. Underneath the Colours, the uh, track title off the album name of the same. We, I've, well, I like this song. I think it's front-ended at the start of the album, which makes it for uh, uh, a, a more interesting sort of viewer listenership where, you know, you front-end the stronger tracks. Um, to me, when I listen to it, and I know Andrew has said this over the years, it, it really is a bit of an early incarnation of Need You Tonight with the keyboard and the da da da, um, and just the spacing and the gaps between sort of the synth and the, and the guitars and things. And I think, you know, it's got a strong chorus. It, uh, it was the, one of the singles off the albums, albeit it didn't chart. But uh, I do know uh, Andrew finds this song particularly important, you know, in the... Uh, genesis of how Need You Tonight came about, you know, in terms of uh, a style of songwriting that this song seemed to sort of commence with. Uh, how do you feel about it, B? Yes, now, now you've uh, brought it to my attention and you've... There's, that's the bit that... Um, I just think this is probably the sexiest song they've written or, or actually put on an album so far. Gary's bass 
is just fantastic, isn't it? And the way it's just coming through and the pace of the song, I really do like it. Yeah, I, I, this song's up there for me, definitely. And it's like the okay. so, it's like the guitar the guitar is talking to Michael, so Michael will say something, and yeah. then it'll go, "Yeah, I agree." <laughs> yeah, and I like I like uh, the lyrics, you know, uh, you know the collide. It's like a kaleidoscope of colours and red, blue, and mm. white. It sort of again creates a good natural imagery and takes you somewhere, you know. And that's what lyrics mm. should do. They should take your brain somewhere and not just go on all. Pilot. Mm, no, it's a nice tempo. It's, it's nice. Okay, and so the next one is Fair Weather Ahead. song is very still new romantic to me I would say I love how his lyrics are just some of the things that he says in the fair weather ahead and um, put the lights out yeah it's it's good it's I, I'd like to re, I'd love to have spoken to um, Michael about this song and really understood what he was trying to say here um, it's it's not a it's not an album sorry it is an album song it's not a charting song but it's a great i i quite like it the more i hear it the more i hear more into it not the actual music it's more about the lyrics to me what do you think hmm. yeah well i mean um it, it, it's it's got a similar sort of tone and sound um like some of the other tracks so it feels like the it's this album so far is a bit more cohesive than the first which maybe you know when you you toured like they had on the first album whatever they're they're developing a little bit more of a tighter sound I think interestingly this song a few things that stood out for me was um, the start of it's got that 4-4 drum it's got keyboard and guitar together and it's probably the first time on the album they sound like the band all playing together uh, maybe Stay Young does that a bit, but um, it, it has that sort of group sound to it. Um, I really agree with you about the new romantic thing. It's got a little bit of that new romantic sort of posing sort of element to it. Um, and it's got some interesting sounds. I like it sonically um, as a sort of a stepping stone as, from, mu- from a musician's point of view. You can feel like it's got a, a style and a few sounds to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it continues that sort of brooding sort of lyric and, and vocal delivery of Michael. So uh, this is a tick for me. And I think for listeners, the more you listen to it, I think it's a real grower. Mm, definitely a grower. Okay. So we agree that it's a mm. grower. <laughs> All right. So the next one is Night of of rebellion. Night of Rebellion, one of the top three singles released from the album. Uh, I 
aren't a great fan of this, B. I'm going to be really out there from the get-go. I know Blair would probably hate me for saying it. Um, this, from a song point of view, sort of just meanders a bit to me. And, you know, the, the most interesting thing probably is the fact that Kurt gets a co-write on this and has quite a, a, a vocal, sort of visible backup vocal that you can hear uh, in the chorus bit. So, um, you know, I think when he says, you know, creatures me, um, it's a very distinctive Kurt part. Um, the single, just as a trivia note, is one of the hardest to find vinyls around the world. Like I know copies of this <laughs> are very few and far between and do go on, if there are some around, they can go up to $1,000. But our, again, our friend MM will probably know more about that than me, but uh, it is a very rare, rare, rare single to find on vinyl. Um, and again, the video is just a straight up sort of miming performance on our countdown uh, show. But um, I'm very interested to know what you think of it, B. I don't know if we're on the same page here. Um, well, I didn't even know it was an actual single, to tell you the truth, until um, we were listening to this. And a few people I know that um, are fans of the show love this tune too. But um, no, I don't. Um, it's okay. It's, it's a very... It's uh, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Really, <laughs> I don't like it. It's Is got it that okay or not? Get off that fence, please. No, it's rockabilly meets punk, and I don't think they really <laughs> mix very well. So <laughs> for me, it's a no. Let's just go there. Well, it's an interesting juxtaposition: rockabilly meets punk. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like the Stray Cats. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. 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 And they didn't um, go, I mean, there are a lot yeah. of fans like this, you know. It's it's again, we're not saying we're right and everyone else is wrong. I mean, it's just what your ears no. tell your heart and your head, isn't it, really? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I've given it a few listens, and I just thought, why would they choose that one over some of the others to be um, a chart um, charting song? Mm. So, mm, no, no, All not right. for me. Not for me. <laughs> All right. Okay. Not, so not the next me, one. Next. Yeah. Next one is follow. filler definitely for me but on the first couple of listens but again it's one of those that you find yourself humming a little bit because the chorus is quite catchy towards the end there so um yeah it's a fun little tune but again it's a it's a, an album song again for me what do you think album track mm, album yeah well it takes a while to hit the chorus mm. um some interesting sort of sounds and things but it, again it's it's probably um, a bit of a filler um, one thing we, we forgot to mention before when we talked about Night of Rebellion is back in the day this Night of Rebellion was song six that's 
when you turn your tape over and turn your your record vinyl yeah. over, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. So, and 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 it was a big thing back then. You know, you turn over side two on your tape or your your, your vinyl, and you know, often the the lead track off that sort of second side would hopefully get you in and to listen to the rest. And um, mm. I guess this is sort of technically song seven. Um, interesting lyric. I won't follow, which sort of you know got that little political bent to it. Uh, you two had a song around the same time called I Will Follow. So that's interesting comparison, B. Um, yeah, <laughs> just uh, you know, around the, the lyrical comparison of that. Yeah, huh? yeah again. They have this like, yeah, yeah synchronised. Um, <laughs> Pure coincidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pure coincidence. But I thought that was just an interesting comparison. But mm. look, you know, this is not a, a stronger track for me. It's, if I was in the car, I'd probably uh, press uh, next, you know, go to number eight or nine or whatever. Mm. Yeah, same. But like I said, but then yeah. I do I do find myself humming that little tune, that that little chorus area as well. So who you knows? know you're easily amused, B, when it comes to humming. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next one is Barbarian. Are you ready for this one? Barbarian, song eight off the album. Uh, I like this song. This song has a bit of a special memory for me. Not so much when it was, um, I guess, released on the album back in the day, but uh, back in 1993 when NXS did their sort of clubs and pubs and unis tour around uh, Australia and particularly Melbourne, they pulled this out of the archives and started playing it again. So it was a real deep, deep track and the fans went really sick and you know, I think there's a, a live version on some of uh, the um, compilations out there which uh, we could easily post on our site. But this is like, hello, Gary Gary Beers, <laughs> welcome to Underneath the Colours, this song. It is a tour de force mm. of bass playing by Gary. Uh, aggressive lyrics, good tune. Chorus probably not super strong. It does kick in about 42, 43 second mark, but the sum of its parts mm. add up to mm. a tick for me. Yeah, well, when I first heard it, I thought it's pretty dated and um, it was a bit punky. And so I, I it took a while, but I actually listened to it. It's the bass, isn't it? That's the guitars that really, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really, it's brilliant. Yeah, 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 I really, really <laughs> like that tune. Really like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder what everybody yeah. else thinks about that one, though. It'd be good to hear people's comments about Barbarian. And during that 93 tour, Gary was sort of wearing a sort of, uh, I don't know, what do you call them? Almost like a kimono type sort of thing. He was wearing sort of this dress, this outfit type thing <laughs> that was sort of almost like you'd go to bed. <laughs> it's in the footage. I think it's in the Heaven Sent at the Arias clip live or whatever. There. I can't even describe it. He had this sort of red sort of dressing gowny kimono outfit thing with probably no underpants on. I was going to um, say, I think he was ready. <laughs> the, yeah. 
look out people in the front row. Um, but uh, yeah, this was like, welcome to NXS, Gary Gary Beers, you have arrived. <laughs> All right, let's go yeah. on, let's go. Um, would you? <laughs> um, what would you do, even? <laughs> <laughs> well, would you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So that was What Would You Do? And I would actually keep it on the album and not chart that one. But it's okay. I quite like the guitars again in it. Um, and it's that, and the keyboards. Doo, 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 doo. But um, yeah, it's not It's not a favourite of mine off the album. Not at all. How about you? Yeah, a bit of, bit, bit of filler for me. It's probably in the sort of bottom two or three songs off the album. Um, I like the question, what would you do? It's got, it's sort of a, over to you, challenge you. Um, uh, you know, in life, you know, you ask people, what would you do? And I think it has an interesting connotation. But as a, as a overall song, look, it comes and goes. It would be sort of fast forward for me. Uh, sonically, it probably treads over the same ground as some other tracks without any real leap. Um, and uh, probably sitting at song sort of number nine, I think, for a reason. And often songs nine, 10, 11, on albums generally aren't as I said the, the you know the the songs that um, are deemed to be potential singles or or hits or anthems or whatever so it's probably tucked up the back and um, you know in better times maybe they've had more material this wouldn't have made it to the album so mm. yeah a bit of a pass for me on this one yes me too okay so the lo- is this the last track I think this is the last track yep okay just yep. to learn again song off the album just to learn again um 
this is an interesting song. Uh, I would call it an exciting song, but it's interesting in a couple of senses. Um, it starts off with the chorus. Um, very few songs out there rip into the chorus straight away. So one sort of song that we all know that does that is Dancing Queen by ABBA, which you know is an interesting song structure type. And Blair last week on our episode was you know quite interested within Excess's song structure. Mm-hmm. And this one, again, probably relates to that in that it has a, uh, a chorus intro it then sort of meanders into sort of the, the verses, etc. cetera, there. Um, what I find interesting about it is it sounds like a, a precursor to Shabu Shabar with the drumming and some of the sonics on it. So it's interesting that this is the last album, uh, sorry, last track on the album, and then the next album is Shabu Shabar. So whether it was um, uh, sort of a sign of things to come, mm. who's to know? Um, but it's, it's uh, more than filler. I, I would give this a pass. It's not the strongest album, album song or strongest track on the on, on the on the album, but I think there's enough interesting things going here um, to give listeners uh, some pleasure out of it. What do you think, B? I love it. I think it's up there for me. I think it's one of the top three. And um, we've Stay Young and Horizons for me. Um, I, 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 I hmm. it's one of those ones I want to lie down and fully immerse myself into because I really just like all the swirlingness of it hmm. all. I think the lyrics are pretty fat, powerful and hmm. I love the sax in it as well. I think um, Kurt did a really good job with the sax. It's a soft, sweet song, but it's hmm. quite strong and powerful underneath it. Yeah, I really like it, actually. This is a really good ending hmm. to the album makes you want to start again it's the closest <laughs> funny enough <laughs> yeah it's the closest thing to a ballad on the album mm. you know it's probably the closest thing to a ballad on the album in the sense that outside the sort of the chorusy bit which is a bit faster pace mm. um it does sort of go into sort of a slow ballady imagery type thing um so i think songs from a structure point of view it's got some interesting things interesting things happening and you know it's a pretty sort of good way to end the album I think also, uh, you know, and it, I think it's the second longest track off the Is album. It? I think it's close to five minutes. So, oh. again, you know, you can sort of lie down and listen yeah. and immerse yourself be yeah. uh, into yes. it. Yes, I think I might do that again later. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing for this, this is um, Gary, Gary has a, a songwriting credit on this with Andrew and Michael, whereas mm-hmm. I guess throughout the album, a lot of the tracks are written as, as a band or, or uh, Andrew and Michael as, as traditionally uh, done. Uh, with one or two exceptions on the album. But, uh, yeah, Gary gets a, a songwriting credit on this too. So, um, you know, I think when you go back and listen to the bass part, there are probably some subtle things that Gary has put in there. Yeah. But uh, that is Underneath the Colours, uh, all wrapped up song by song. Okay, so what songs are we going to choose between us to go onto our Spotify list? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think that's a really good question. I think fractionally before I answer that, um, I think as an overall album, um, I'm going to throw to you first. How do you compare it to the first one? Are you are you a debut album pro fan versus this one? Or are you, are you sort of on the journey going, well, this is better than the first? What's your opinion? Well, like I said at the beginning, I hadn't listened to either of these albums that much because I was more towards the end of their career mm. um, listening. At, well, not so much the, from, mm. from Listen Like mm. Thieves onwards. So this the, the first three um, mm. with Shabu Shabar as well, I haven't really listened to it too much either over the last few years. So comparing it, like mm. you asked me to, from last um, review, I feel that I like this one more. I think it's a bit more mature. Um, 
still love my um, keep walking mm. song as well just keep walking but um, no I, I think there's a couple of favourites mm. on here definitely I'm a bit of a simple method when I review an album. I, I, I break things down to sort of, you know, is it an A grade, a B, a B grade song or a C grade? And That's um, because you're a nerd. Uh, I think on the... <laughs> yes, correct, correct. I do that. Um, so, well, yeah. So, I... Um, I think there's more A-grade sort of songs on the debut album. I think there's a fraction more Bs and uh, probably less Cs. So off this particular album, I think there's probably three or four songs that are in the C category for me. So it probably brings it down. I, I sort of go 10 minus sort of four gives it a six out of 10. Whereas the debut album, I'm like, you know, 10 minus seven sort of stronger A's and B's is probably going to give it, you know, uh, a seven out of 10. There's probably three sort of, I won't say clunkers, but three mm. real filler tracks on the debut. Okay. I think there's probably f- close to four on this. Um, the band did say that it is hard, you know, to tour relentlessly and, and then go into studios overnight or whatever and record. Yeah. And they had, you know, quite a long time to record the first album in the sense that, you know, they had years of practising together. And, and all the other bits of mischief they were up to. Yeah, well, I mean, this was recorded in July and August of 1981, so we're talking about a probably a six, seven-week period, mm. and they wouldn't have had a lot of downtime to write. Um, so I think just the depth of songs is a fraction less than the first album. So I'm giving this a 6 out of 10, because uh, we've got to remember, we've got to compare this against all other albums in their canon, and we might have a 9 or 10 coming up. So this is, to me, uh, a 6. The first album was a 7 out of 10. Um, as towards deep Spotify tracks uh, that could maybe go into it, um, there's not as... I mean, we have... I think we have On A Bus and Learn To Smile off the first That's album. Right. I'm only coming up with one song on this album. Ah. Remembering the criteria is strong album track that is not single, a single. yes. And I'm going to go with Barbarian on Ooh. this particular one. Okay, well then that... Because yes. that would have been... I like that too, but I like Horizons. So yeah. can we put both Horizons and Barbarian on, please? Horizon, Barbarian. I think we can Thank because you. I think there's enough going in Horizons as well. Yeah. No, I'm not being, being polite with you. I, I agree because there's enough going on with that to make it a, a good deep dive uh, for our listeners. Mm. And uh, that that song definitely is worthy there. So we've got we've added two now. We've actually got four to the Spotify can we not, list. Yeah. Can we not sneak on just to learn again? As well? No. Oh. No. Oh, what? No. You know why not? Why? You know why, why? not? Because we both don't agree. Okay. <laughs> That's the criteria for our Spotify. Oh, like, okay. you know, if you outvote me on an upcoming album with a track, you go, nah, I have to, you know, we have to have consensus. Right. Okay, we'll have to have the B side. This is going to be a consensus <laughs> deep dive album. Yeah. Can I? I'll have the unless, B side. Unless I pull rank on you and say, no, sorry, I'm outvoting you. <laughs> Don't forget, I'm the editor. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So that's but, what? What are you going to say to me? But, list, but listeners, 
yeah I was going to say one more thing listeners go down and download some tracks yes. you know these a lot of these songs aren't on compilations go check them out you know you've only had snippets from us mm. you know go invest a dollar forty nine or whatever it is or through your streaming platforms to, to, to listen to some of these things because you know the band probably aren't going to be releasing a lot of new material going forward and not without Michael with you know who's not with us mm. so if you haven't gone back to these albums or they haven't been part of your in excess experience this is part of why we're doing the podcast podcast yeah. to bring some of this stuff to your attention yeah. and uh, go and enjoy yeah enjoy everybody okay cool. so that's a wrap on that section I want you to get up right now and go to the window open it and stick your head out and yell I'm as mad as hell and I'm not gonna take this anymore the rant part five the Grammys is where the conspiracy started backdrop it's December 1988 Kick has just celebrated 12 month anniversary release in excess of just secured four top 10 US billboard hits Need You Tonight 1 Devil Inside 2 New Sensation 3 Never Terrace Part 7 They've just won six MTV Music Awards in late September. The USA fans are doing a deep dive into the swing. It's gone platinum, gold for Shabu Shabar, and Kick is doing gangbusters. Multiple sold-out tours, Saturday Night Live appearances. But then the Grammy nominations land. Only one single nomination for In Excess? You have got to be joking. Best performance by a rock band for vocal performance for Kick? Beaten by who you ask. You too for the Bo Diddley ripoff of Desire. A film clip directed by who? Richard Lowenstein, the very in excess alumni who created every kick masterpiece video. Oh, the irony is and lost, folks. Other nominations. Video of the Year. No best nomination for Venetia Tonight? Even after winning six MTV awards? Hang on, let me say that again. No best video nomination for Venetia Tonight? How can they win MTV award for Video of the Year eight weeks earlier and not even get a Grammy nomination? Who won? You too. Again, the streets have no name. They could have easily farted in church to Super 8 footage and won that year, given the can-do-no-wrong by award committees all over love that they endure. Album of the Year nominations. Now, let's just get this right. In 1988, these were the album nominations of the year at the Grammys. Tracy Chapman, tick, fair enough. But Sting? Steve Winwood? George Michael, maybe? Bobby McFerrin? In excess, not even a nomination for Kick, despite four top tens and being a cultural zeitgeist. Song of the Year, you ask. Don't worry, be happy wins. Be still, my beating heart by Sting gets nominated. Fast car, Tracy Chapman. Okay, fair enough. Giving you the best that I got by somebody I can't even know. Piano in the Dark as a song. Four of the five worst forgettable songs ever nominated. No in excess nomination here for Need You Tonight, Never Tear Us Apart, New Sensation, Mystify, Devil in Sight. Come on, guys. Fast forward 12 months to the 1989 Grammy nominations and Fine Young Cannibals get six, six nominations for arguably ripping off Need You Tonight with their hit Drives Me Crazy. Come on, Grammy committee. They get an album of the year, a nomination, record of the year, pop vocal of the year nomination. Really? You mean we live on a planet where voting committees have one single job to unblock your ears, listen to in excess greatness, recognise the juggernaut of what 988 was, and tick six-plus nomination boxes? Hardly a difficult exercise. The mission continues. <laughs> So 
I pull on my jeans, zip up my boots, grab my keys, money, lipstick and ticket. One last look in the mirror and I run down the hall and open the door. My mom, you're not going out like that, as she eyes my bra top. No, mom, I've got a jacket in the car. Beep, beep. Okay, I'll see you later. I'm staying at Tracy's tonight. Bye. I run, not waiting for an answer. There they all are, the girls crammed in the back seat of the Peugeot 196. <laughs> all legs, hair and sweet essence. I claim the front seat and slam the door quick. Go, go, go. I see mom coming down the driveway. Bye, Mrs. France, shout the giggly teens as we speed off from suburbia to the city lights. In excess, pumping out of the sound system in the car and us all singing at the top of our voices. Need you tonight and we ain't sleeping. <laughs> More giggles. It takes no time at all to arrive at the venue, park the car and get to the front of the queue, of course. But the wait, oh my God, the longest wait ever to be continued. <laughs> Nineteen seventy nine. We're probably a, a, a year or two behind in our chronology with what we're doing on the podcast. But with Blair last week, we did miss a week of guilty pleasures. But we're going to do nineteen seventy nine this week, which was uh, for me the song that I heard in nineteen eighty, but it was recorded and released in seventy nine. Was a song called "Once in a Lifetime" by Talking Heads. So play it away, B. No problem. such a cool tune (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah look this was a song being played before the 1993 concerts series that uh, the club and pub tour and I know uh, recorded by Brian Eno who went on to record I'm only looking with in excess this is a thumping track Mm. that I think all the whole world of our listeners have heard Mm. Uh, love it love the film clip love the sound love the live version Uh, it's a ripper for me Uh, it's more no no guilt on this one for me no no I yeah no I'm with you here I love talking heads I mean I I still remember still going clubbing in 2004 and having samples of his um, of their music coming out and um, everybody was getting up on the dance floor for those yeah they're they're really good really good and was this the one where he wore the oversized suit yes 
the Stop Making Sense 984 live thing where he was on stage and he had the big suit thing Mad. going. And, uh, oh, we got to get yeah, off. It was yeah. An awesome, yeah. <laughs> we might have been put yeah, that on, posted that on our page, that on. even though it's not in excess. It is a band that Michael loved and I know Andrew loved as mm. well. Um, so that's a, a, a pleasure for me, no guilt. Okay. What's your first one, B? Okay, my, mine is... Um, well, um, it's sort of going back to the um, the boys' first album in um, in excess by in excess, and what they were influenced by, which was madness. One step Don't beyond. Watch, watch this. This is the heavy, heavy monster sound. One step beyond. <laughs> Well, that takes me back. I really like that song. <laughs> it's I think it was just like a little bit of an anthem for the youth um, that we were at that time. So I think it was probably about, I don't know, be about 12, 13. And yeah, just a, just a really happy song. I think I've got a bit of theme going on here that I like. Um, I like um, tunes that um, really don't have any, many lyrics. <laughs> anyway, what's your next one? Second Guilty or Pleasure, 1979. This was the album, the era of Kiss Dynasty, and they had a big hit with I Was Made For Loving You. However, it was the second song that probably connected with me more at the time. Does it still now? Well, we'll play it and we'll give you the answer. Sure Know Something by Kiss, and oh, I love it. I think uh, it was actually only a hit in Australia, I think, um, in terms of went top 10, but uh, still got a thumping bass from Gene, and uh, no guilt for me on this one. Uh, B, Don't what do you like think? It. I've never got Kiss at all. Um, I never really, <laughs> I heard of them in the background, that glam rock crap. 
Um, and then when I came to Australia, a lot of my girlfriends and boyfriends in um, Melbourne, in St Kilda, love Kiss. They look, I mean, they love all their, they love lots of music, but yeah, they <laughs> love Kiss. And I just never got it, never mm. got it. I mean, stick that tongue out mm. at me and I'll run anyway. So, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, Kiss, uh, this album was probably bigger in the in Australia than the entire world. Uh, the It was sort of Kiss going disco to a point and a lot of the hardcore fans didn't sort of like it in America and, and probably, say, the UK where they were less popular. But in Australia, they were... In 1979-80, and they toured out here, they were camped in hotels. There were thousands of people in the street. It was like Kiss mania. In fact, I joined the Kiss army via a Christmas present for me when I was about nine or ten and we got like masks and we got colouring in books and we got magazines. It was cool. I was in the Kiss Army. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Mm, no, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, over to you. What's your number? What's your number two? Chart, My number track two today? is going into um, yeah. It's um, it's it's actually. I'm going to play it for you first and see if you know it. Okay. Yeah. Play okay. it first. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I do. XTC. XTC. Yeah, we, we already talked talked about them as a link to In Excess and the name yeah. of the band. Remember? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of XTC, but and Squeeze. Yeah. I used to love Squeeze as well back in the day. But um, <laughs> yeah, this song it's 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 just a fun song. Again, it's just another song that I remember singing a lot when I was a kid. Um, so that's a guilty pleasure for me. But. There is a guilty pleasure song that never got charted, which was very popular in my hometown, called Welcome to the Monkey House. Did you ever hear this song? It was by oh. a band called Animal Magnet, and they supported um, Duran Duran's first tour. I play this to you because a song that got me interested in that wasn't in the charts, and it was like, why is this hmm. not in the charts? But it was always in the in the, um, the in the clubs, and we were all dancing to. Anyway, I'm going to play it to you. Just play. 
What did you think? Nah, no from me. Bit cheesy and yuck. You're only saying that because I didn't like your kiss army. And I ain't going to kiss your ass on that. (laughs) 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 Well, look. Look, you're a bit older than me, B, so maybe your tastes were a bit different back in those days. (laughs) Better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my last one today is the... Oh, he's not an oxygenarian yet, but he's got eight kids from three <laughs> wives and copious amounts of relationships, okay? That's Rod yes. Stewart. And uh, Roddy, back in the late 70s, was really hamming it up in film clips and hamming it up with these lyrics. And look, I'm going to be honest with you, this was a guilt, well, it was a pleasure at the time, but it was, it's probably uh, more guilt in hindsight now. And it's, uh, do you think I'm sexy? Oh, it's a crack. A cracking song. <laughs> Let's play it. Absolutely Now, this song hasn't aged well, and that's part of this guilty or pleasure thing. You know, am I guilty of still liking it, or is it still a pleasure? Look, this is a, this is guilt. It hasn't aged well. Um, it is interesting to note that Duran Durant did admit that it's Nick Rhodes, the keyboardist, uh, keyboardist for Duran Durant, as in the song Planet Earth, ripping off the keyboard part of Do You Think I'm oh. Sexy? So that's an interesting comparison. Yes, yeah. They've got a very similar yeah. sound. Uh, you know, so uh, it's a little brummy reference there for you, B. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, brilliant. I love, I love, I love how <laughs> yeah. you teach me stuff like that. Well, we've made the end of episode 6B, and uh, I think we're still standing, as Elton John says. Uh, Always a pleasure having uh, these weekly catch-ups, and hopefully the listeners out there are enjoying them as well. Yes, I hope so too. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and your interactions with us on the Facebook. So if you can come to us on In Excess Access All Areas Facebook, that would be wonderful. yeah, we, we had lots of discussions this week. There weren't as many mm. questions, so we probably haven't put in the sort of question section, but we'd love to sort of do a deeper dive into a lot of questions and things. And maybe after the album review that we've done today, that may sort of inspire some more questions mm. from listeners. 
Um, a little couple of updates uh, for next week's show. Um, B, we're going to do a sort of a live-to-air rant, aren't we? We're going to do a bit of a, uh, a conversation between the mm. two of us. Um, and all I'll say is there was a very poor, poorly researched article that went out online sort of viral this week about Michael Hutchins and the documentary. And uh, needless to say, it got my goat up a little bit, and we're going to play out the rant sort of live between yes. us next week. I think you're going to play the yes, journalist, and I'm going to play the uh, the rant respondent uh, live to air. Yeah, Is that, a little that bit of right acting for next week. <laughs> well, there's no acting no, from no. me. It's going to be from no, you, no, absolutely. Fire in your uh, belly. You're put on the. Um, <laughs> You're going to have to sort of practice your uh, Portuguese or your Brazilian sort of type of uh, vocal <laughs> intonations because this, I got this journo right in my firing line because uh, we want to make sure that things that go out in the world are factual. But this was just an absolute uh, yeah, horrendous was. article, and I'm going to we're going to we're going to we're going to play this out <laughs> next week. We're going to tear, tear it, it apart. apart. Absolutely, it's what you need and we need <laughs> to do. You got, got that? <laughs> oh. All right. This guy was, this guy was an original mm. sinner. He was. But but you know what? He's going to be kissing <laughs> the dirt. <laughs> He'll make sure he gets that <laughs> message. <laughs> Absolutely, and he ain't going to be making any time no. stop on this one because you why? know why? I got the devil Have inside. Really? Well, let's get elegantly wasted on that one then. <laughs> Oh, all God, right, that's so all right. cheesy. Is that everything? <laughs> is, that, is that everything? Um, <laughs> Sorry, everybody, for the cheese. <laughs> all right. As we do and we, as we live in episode, we put out a cover version of NXS, and we've got a bit of an interesting sort of twist on this one. So we're probably going to say too much about it other than play it in a moment, but uh, let me just say that this band made a lot of royalties from recording this song. So take it away, B, and we'll let the listeners uh, enjoy, and we'll talk about it next week. Thank you very much uh, for being with me today, B. I've had a great time with you, as always. Uh, goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Take care, everyone. See you next week. I've known you well.
Oh, baby, I want 